Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds from the studios of WBNS-FM in Columbus, Ohio. This is the Nerd Association Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Barnett. And I'm your other host, Mark Finch. And I'm not 100% sure if... This is a direct quote from what we're talking about today, but it's close enough for me, and it stood out to me as just like something that made me chuckle. Um, Daniel, what do you think of when I say we've got to find the other other me? <laughs> well, we did just talk about Moon Knight and his multiple personalities, but I think what you must be referring to is the new Doctor Strange film, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I don't think it's that much of a spoiler to let people know that you're going to, you see, you know, in the multiverse, you are going to see multiple versions of these characters, including the other version of Doctor Strange and the other, other version of Doctor Strange and the other, other, other version of Doctor Strange. <laughs> Is that right? The other version of Doctor Strange with the version of Doctor Strange. There's a little combo yeah. at one point. <laughs> I guess if we want to give a quick non-spoiler review my little quick one i did this uh on the on bishop and friends something along the lines of i liked it a lot they did definitely dive into the the horror stuff that they said they were were gonna get into to a, a certain degree it's still a marvel movie yeah it's at, still at its pretty art. mild uh, yeah. um they let sam raimi do some of his raimiest and i i appreciate that i, I like sam raimi so I, I thought that was fun and i think it's one where possibly and i think i'm at this where the villain may have stolen stolen the show. I would agree with that wholeheartedly, but let's we'll we'll get into that top level analysis a little bit later. So yeah, the premise again, if you are new here and you don't know that all we do is spoilers, you know, beware ye who enter here, come back and and listen to it after you've seen the movie. The whole premise behind this movie is one of the young Avengers to which we're being introduced, and I do use that term advisedly is America Chavez, who is played by Sochil Gomez here. And America has the ability to jump between dimensions, and she is being hunted by demonic forces. And the, the Doctor Strange in the at least first couple of multiverses, or, you know, segments of the multiverse we see, are trying to protect her from being captured by these demonic entities. And another thing to note with America is that she can't really control right. that power. She she knows she has it, and she knows that it will kind of come up when she's scared, but she's still not exactly sure how to just call upon it at any given moment. Which felt very, not to like jump ahead too far, but felt very X-Men to me. Yeah. Especially like the X-Men cartoon where you're dealing with the young X-Men like being discovered for the first time, not knowing how to control their powers. Spoiler alert, the 97 uh, X-Men cartoon plays a bigger role in this movie than maybe any of us would have imagined. <laughs> but yes, that's the premise. And so, of course, it's up to our multiverses, Doctor Strange, which they have finally used the term 616. Right. 616 is something that's been, you know, Universe 616 or Reality 616 has been something that's been in the comics for years as they've dealt with multiversal things. But this is the first time we've heard it in a movie or a television show. Doctor Strange 616 is the one that kind of uh, the, the the weight falls on him to protect America Chavez from what we quickly find out is the threat of Wanda Maximoff as Scarlet Witch. 
And I, I appreciated that they got to the point on that pretty early in the film. <laughs> I like that um, there's a point where I think they did it. Um, I think they wanted it to be very noticeable when Doctor Strange is talking to her and thinking that they can be the partners in what they're trying to do here. Yeah. And she says America. And I think as a as a viewer, you're supposed to pick up on, yeah. wait a minute, I, he didn't say her name yeah, yet. I leaned over to Laura at, when that happened and went, oh, she didn't say, you know, he didn't say America yet. And of course, then they explicitly say it. Right. But I think the hype around this movie was that Scarlet Witch was going to end up being the antagonist. And we, of course, we didn't know ahead of time what, how or when or to what extent, or I, th I think most of us could have guessed the motivations. Because even in WandaVision, she's not full-on bad guy because she's the protagonist she's of it. Yeah. yeah. And she's certainly less sympathetic in this film. <laughs> but uh, as we kind of discussed, we hinted at last week talking about Moon Knight. Mm -hmm. What's great is that with Doctor Strange, they assume you've seen WandaVision and they spend no time refreshing you. I mean, they give you they give you enough context clues in watching the movie to understand what the motivations are, but boy, you really don't get this story unless you've seen WandaVision and know what, what the sort of background is. And I appreciate that. I think that's okay to do when you have these internet-connected films and television shows to assume that people have that background information. You're not asking them to go read a comic or, you know, find some old movie or television show. I suppose they're asking you to have a Disney Plus subscription. And you're not passing over things that would be, like, hard to understand without without the context. Like, okay, yeah, you might not know why this Wanda is so obsessed with getting her children or why she doesn't have her children, but most people can relate to the idea of right. a mother wanting to be with her children, and this is her strategy, is right. the multiverse uh, manipulation. And so I guess what I'm saying is I appreciate that they didn't pussyfoot around with that, that within, what, the first 20 minutes, I think, we know it's been set up what the conflict is, there's not some sort of rug pull, uh-oh, you know, where, where Wanda agrees to help them and actually it's in the middle of that that there's a switcheroo. You know ahead of time, and I think as good horror does, right? Mm -hmm. It's not really a, a, a thriller or psychological movie as much as it's truly horror. They set up your monster in the first 20 minutes of the, <laughs> of yeah. the film, and I appreciated that because I think it could have been done differently, and I think it could have been a little more eye-rolly if they had delayed what was probably pretty an obvious conclusion to reach from the get-go. They're like, oh, this is not a good person, a bad person, and then they go with that. Uh, one other thing I liked from the early part of the movie is he's at, uh, what's her name? Christine's Christine, wedding. Christine's wedding, and he has to go because giant squid, well, he doesn't even see. He just at sees first, cars yeah. flying. Carnage and, is happening. And so he eventually manipulates the world to see that there's this giant like squid monster type right. thing and he starts fighting it and he eventually wins but when there's a point where they go back to the reactions of the people at the wedding and christine is kind of like eye rolling like of course on my big day right he has to my ex-boyfriend has to come out and fight this thing and then the husband character is a big fan he's like oh this is so cool and it's like like it's I, a wedding gift almost well and i like how <laughs> the like world has like kind of almost been a little desensitized to all these things going on because now you're talking about a decade plus of this stuff right. happening people are probably like yeah it's just kind of like if i'm not in immediate danger it's just like oh another thing i do and i really like how marvel is is handling that in the more recent films where yeah in a way it's part of day-to-day -day life and 
in a way that characters who are in the know, Christine being one of them, can have the reaction of like eye rolling, like, oh, of course you're going to do this on my big day because you're trying to <laughs> prove something. Uh, yeah, I do think that's really wonderful, a really a cool little subtle detail. I think if you didn't tell me that this was a Sam Raimi film and I had watched it, I would be able to tell you it was a Sam Raimi film. Even without the Bruce Campbell? Even without the Bruce Campbell. Because <laughs> that's like the dead giveaway. But I will also <laughs> say, if you did not tell me that Danny Elfman did the score for this movie, I would be able to tell you that Danny Elfman did the score for this movie. <laughs> I think what's really wonderful about that, and, and we've kind of touched on it already, that Marvel pitched this movie as their first foray into horror. And while it is certainly a Marvel movie before it's a horror movie i do think that all of the right elements of horror were there i especially when it came to building suspense and in that way that sometimes you end up rooting for the villain because you want to see what they can do i think the scene where scarlet witch shows up at camertage you're not rooting for her but you want to see what she's capable of yeah you're interested in seeing what carnage she can wreak I think the three best like horror sequences for me were at uh, Carnotage where she goes into he sends her into like that mirror yeah. trap and she is working her way through the ref other reflections that are just yeah. around and then when eventually she comes out of the the, the gong, gong but she had to like contort her body to get around the spikes almost like the ring where, yeah, yeah and so that one's really good this one's really suspenseful too and probably the best like real horrific thing uh when she's when she's first trying to uh take over the other wanda in the yeah. other universe and it's like going like slow-mo through the house and like the music comes down yeah real soft and then the other one the clear the clearest day like this is sam raimi doing horror type stuff uh when she's stalking them through that underground tunnel yeah. the, the underwater tunnel it's explicitly and, a monster movie yes at that moment and it's funny uh, i i liked that because um i don't think marvel would allow a character to run around with somebody else's blood all over them but it was like motor like, oil, right? It was from the robots. So they—that's they, how they—that's how they got around that one. And isn't that interesting? That I agree with you wholeheartedly. That we pro it probably wouldn't have been um, gotten past if it was blood. Although we did just watch the Scarlet Witch completely annihilate the Illuminati in really brutal fashion. The, especially the. Uh, What's the black bolt black I thought bolt. was particularly bad she gets rid of his mouth and then he, he blows then up his, his own. power goes into yeah. his own head and so <laughs> so yeah again i mean here's the big the big reveal of this one of the big reveals of this movie i think the biggest yeah is that in one version of the multiverse 838 is that right there is a group which is known from the comics as the illuminati it's the most powerful minds in marvel it didn't in this movie. There are a few that are missing for for good reasons, but of course we see this the Sorcerer Supreme in this multiverse is Mordo. We have Black Bolt, who is very powerful. I, I'm glad they they buried the lead a little bit on why he's powerful until they sort of show you that in action. Uh, Captain Carter, which is the Peggy Carter version of Captain America. Um, as you and I theorized many, many months ago, the Marvel What If series had far more relevance to the upcoming projects than they were letting on. Uh, we saw that with Captain Carter. Which and I kind of don't like. Really? 
Well, because it's like the point of what if is that it's not. It doesn't have to do with the other stuff. It's just what ifs. But well, but, I but th- then it's not. Ex- they didn't. But, it, but if you make a multiverse movie and the idea yeah. of the multiverse is that in some reality anything has happened, then of course the things that have happened in what if. And I think that was a big part of what if was to just introduce you in a low stakes way to what this multiverse is like what that actually means and how there's different universes and things are can be completely different or just a little bit different or that's how it is and then they do spider-man where it's all still in 616 but you get some incursions yes and then this one where it's like here it is there's unlimited random places you can go that are just different versions you get to see captain carter later in the film strange supreme which is the one that in what if absorbs all the demons and things Mm -hmm. to become powerful and save christine in that version of reality you see lashana lynch's captain marvel which is really cool the two biggest moments from that sequence of course are John Krasinski being revealed as Reed Richards. That's been the biggest fan casting of the last, you know, five or six years of yeah. Marvel films. I did I did not know that was coming at all. That went like when I was like, it's John Krasinski. Like I was just like, okay. The other one you you get because like it's like legacy casting. Right. That one was just like, all right. <laughs> and it's hard to tell because the Fantastic Four movie has been announced, but very few details about it have. So mm-hmm. it it'll be interesting to see if John Krasinski actually plays that role in that film. I think people are hoping. And then of course you have the big one, Patrick Stewart as Charles Xavier, which was not really a secret at this point. That was kind of given away in some of the previews, but it's the 97 animated X-Men version of Dr. Xavier coming out of his little school bus wheelchair. Yeah. The yellow floating wheelchair. And even did you catch the sting of the Mar that theme song, the yeah. which was really as a person, as a kid, I watched the X-Men <laughs> cartoons. Like I was like, Aah! nobody ought, like clapped in our movie, in our viewing of the movie. We know people, that too. but people did like when, when John Krasinski was revealed as, as um, Reed Richards, there were people were like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And there was a sort of audible, like, Oh, when Charles Xavier came out. And so that was cool. But yeah, there was a little bit more of like, uh, it was more excitement buy-in uh, with like the Spider-Man one when those guys showed up in that one. That was I do think in a way though you were like people were almost reverent because of the nature of the scene where they didn't feel like they should clap because <laughs> you're like technically in a courtroom. <laughs> I don't know. It was just <laughs> maybe like, it was just more of a hushed excitement, right? <laughs> but I thought that was really wonderful. I think the Illuminati is a really cool concept and one that low key. You know, the Time Variance Authority is sort of a version of that, right? But it's a version of that that is much more self-serving to one entity. Yeah, that's one thing, like, I'm interested to see how the multiverse and time variant stuff, how those mesh. Because it's like, well, if there's just unlimited universes and everything can be anything, right? then why do they care so much? And I hoping they have a reason why they why they do care so much versus there are all these multiple different types of universes but it's not immediately apparent how those two coincide with each other well it's interesting too because both the illuminati and the time variance authority are shown to kind of be villainous in the sense that they will do uh, well they'll do what it takes heart heartless yeah. fully like brain driven all the, the the Illuminati is much more just like the sensible, like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Whereas the Time Variance Authority is is ex- says that on the surface, but is actually more in the service of Kang. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, little um, tidbit: Reed Richards's grandson, 
Nathaniel Richards in the original comics is one of the through like time travel and stuff is the original Kang the Conqueror. So, I mean, it's interesting to think like Reed Richards is on the Illuminati and his grandson ends up becoming Kang the Conqueror, who sort of uses that multiverse thing to conquer and and then creates the Time Variance Authority, which is very similar to the Illuminati. Anyway, neat little connections. I thought that scene was cool. I thought that was a lot of fun. Having a pretty consequence-free way to have Scarlet Witch annihilate some of the most powerful characters in Marvel, because again, it's in an alternate version of the multiverse, was a really cool way of doing that, that you couldn't get away with if it had been the 616 versions, right? You couldn't have Wanda killing them if they were sort of our like, primary. Hey, Fantastic Four does exist. Well, Boom, he's, he's dead. Um, um, exactly. But, but one thing I will say about that is it, it'll be interesting to see how they go here and how they manage this, but the the introduction of the multiverse does like limit the finality a little bit to it certain lowers things. The stakes that ha- in yes. some ways. And it, that's just what you have to deal with. As I was watching it, a, a Moon Knight, because of the way Moon Knight went and that it didn't have a ton of immediate, obvious connections to the MCU. Right. And I don't know if this is good or bad. It doesn't feel like they have as well written down of a plan. And I think some of that's overblown in the past with Marvel. Sure. That they've always had everything written down perfectly. It's like, well, and a lot no, of that's really. just revisionist that they figured they out how the, to make it seem like they had a plan. They didn't do the thing at the end of Doctor Strange with um he's back in this movie. Yeah. But they didn't do what they set up there. They didn't do Oh, Vulture meets the guy in prison at the end yeah. of uh, uh, Homecoming. Right. That doesn't go anywhere. And, yeah. And it doesn't seem like... Now it seems like they've gotten too, way past that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I don't think... I, so like, there's things that they haven't followed up on, but it, this seems to me like even less, like there's not that, that holding pattern to ga- Infinity Gauntlet and Thanos. So I don't know if they haven't gotten there yet i thought this movie was going to do a little bit more to go in that direction of like this is kind of the guiding compass of where they're going but it right now it feels a little bit more like you're getting individual editions of a comic book which makes sense but it isn't quite why everybody fell in love with the mcu and why it's so popular yeah i mean your point's well taken that in, in some ways it lowers the stakes it makes it less clear what the direction is by the same token i think we're in a phase of the MCU where it's it's a lot more for the diehard fans at this point, right? It's becoming that, I think. Yeah. Where they expect that you're watching the TV shows, where they expect that you at least are interested in how the comics tie in. Even if you haven't read them personally, you're interested in the tie-ins. And I do think they're doing a good job, even within this film, they set up that this sort of multiversal travel is a rare ability that it's considered dangerous. And even by the end that with like with the destruction of the dark hold and all the different multiverses, that that's one outlet through which multiversal travel isn't going to happen. So they're eliminating that sort of, okay, this could be a a component in future films. Mm -hmm. America Chavez is still around. It's established that she's the one unique character, at least so far in the multiverse that there's only one of her. And that she's kind of the only one that's able to safely do this. Safely in the sense of not having to tear the fabric of reality apart to do it. Right. (laughs) In the ways that we've seen now in other films or in like Loki. So 
I do think that while they're introducing this idea of multiversal travel, multiversal incursions, and obviously that's going to show up in future because we know Ant-Man Quantumania is essentially about that because of spoiler alert, that's where we're going to see Kang the Conqueror in his most traditional role for the first time. So we know that this is going to be a component, but I think they're doing a good job of eliminating ways that this could happen all the time. Does that make sense what I'm getting at? Yeah. I they're they're doing a good job of not like of not writing themselves into a corner where kind of to your point, if you can travel the multiverse and any outcome is possible and any like version of a Except power Except for America Chavez, there's a mul- there's yeah. another version of this guy we could just go get. Then it, they're doing a good job of like trying to keep that tidy. Yeah, I just I guess I just thought that with Robert Downey Jr. done, yeah. that I thought this is more of a, like from the the you know outside of the movies. Like right. What is their actual plan? I really thought Benedict Cumberbatch was going to be that guy, and the he still anchor. could be um, because, but he because he's the biggest star, arguably one of the biggest stars still left. Yeah, him and Chris Pratt and Hemsworth. The, right. Those are probably the big three, and then Wanda. But now she's a bad guy, so that's not that might not work for them, but. Um, I thought that would, and I just didn't feel like we got a direction for where it's going. So I'm gonna hold my full judgment on. I don't, I don't, I don't think they have a plan until I see Thor: Love and Thunder, because that could be the other part that connects stuff. And two, that's another bankable big yeah. star that could be the, the face of going. Arguably, forward. Paul Rudd. I don't think he's gonna be the anchor, but I do think Quantum Mania is gonna play a big enough. Ant-Man's not good enough to be the anchor. Is the problem right? No, but I do think that Quantum Mania is gonna bring in um, some components to that that story and don't forget tom hiddleston because we do have more of loki coming true i agree with you but i also think that they they're to the point now where they can do weirder stories yeah and i i do appreciate that um i just wonder if they're gonna lose some of the the excitement of every single marvel movie when it's like sure it's getting closer to while you really get a lot out of seeing all of it that there are things Individual where you can, products might yeah, not be quite as it's strong. It's just, oh, I really like the the Doctor Strange comic book movie, and it, it feels more like a comic book where like I just check in on my character and it, and it goes forward. Before we get too far away from this, because you mentioned Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man, I do want to say that one of the other important members of the Illuminati that was missing is Iron Man. And a lot of the, the talk was that Tom Cruise was going to play a variant Iron Man in this movie and be on the Council of the Illuminati as one of the there's a version of Iron Man that's kind of like Iron Man Supreme in the same way Ultra Iron Man and he's not and he's kind of evil in the sense that he well in the way that kind of the Illuminati was evil in this one kind of I didn't see Tom Cruise anywhere that was the big rumors that he was yeah I I saw that one too anyway to your other point yeah I, I agree that as I was kind of reflecting on watching the film because of the nature of it, the stakes did feel lower. And I, you mentioned this earlier, and I agree with you 100%. Scarlet Witch is by far the most compelling character in this, in mm-hmm. this film, and the most well-written and the most complex. And I would say the best acted with the material given, right? I still think, I think Benedict Cumberbatch was very good. I think in some ways his character... And Sochil Gomez, I think they both did great with what they had, but their characters are almost hollow by comparison. Well, and then Benedict Cumberbatch has to play himself four different times, right? Three different times, uh, three different times, and a fourth time as, as two different strange, as zombie yeah. with him possessing it. Um, and yeah, he's got to play that hero role, so you don't get to dive in. He he doesn't have a motivation here beyond 
well, we, we got to stop Wanda, and I, I don't want America Chavez to, to, and the, to go into the wrong hands, that power to go into the and wrong hands. And there's that B plot of like uh, being happy as a superhero, and what does that mean? And I think that's interesting. I do think it gets pretty lost in this in the sort of I like the character of arc of not having to hold the knife, those right. kind of things. And that's it's there, but you're right. Wanda's just way more compelling. I, I said this after the movie to to Jen. Is Wanda the most selfish Marvel villain ever? Because she's willing to tear apart the fabric for of a very universes. what for, seems like a really small thing. For not, I'm not saying a, I understand to her, small, that she, but small like scale. It's, it all, it's only her. Like that, her being with her kids doesn't really affect other people that much. There's this suggestion that she is going to, she like views herself as the most fit ruler, but also that that's not really the point of what she's trying to do. Right. Yes. Because yeah, Thanos, I, like, he was. He was out he of line. He thought he was selfless. Like, yeah, he thought he was doing something that like would help the the world or the universe. Really, I mean, Loki wanted to just be the the ruler. I suppose in some ways that's, but that's like bigger scale sort of standard yeah. villain stuff. I guess I will say that I think it's an interesting motivation for a character to go. Yeah, to, to go this far for I want to be with my kids. Something pretty Is personal. A, yeah, and in the end. She ends up defeating herself in the sense that she gets to see how her own children perceive her when she's acting like a monster. Mm -hmm. In the way that kind of it makes Doctor Strange feel very small. (laughs) And I think that's part of the point of the movie, though, right? We are supposed to have envisioned Doctor Strange as the most powerful entity in in the universe. And then they sort of hint that actually Scarlet Witch is stronger. And they show us that, that really the only one who can defeat her is herself. But again, kind of the point of the movie is Doctor Strange has to be part of the team in the end. He needs to rely on other people. Mm -hmm. He needs to rely on those connections to people. There's this underlying and they don't they they touch on it in a sort of passing way. And I kind of wish they had put the like put it on the nose just a little bit more that in making what was the most logical decision he allowed half the the universe to get snapped away for five years. Even though that was technically the most logical decision, it was pretty heartless. Mm. When and, and in this movie, the most logical decision would have been to get this superpower from this child into the hands of somebody who was more capable of wielding it to keep it from Wanda. But in the end... Or in the that, case of the Illuminati, they probably would have just killed her. Right. But is that the most, is that, does that have heart to it? And so I think we've seen a version of Doctor Strange in several movies where he is always trying to do the thing that he thinks is the most logical, but in, in doing so, he doesn't make things better in the, you know what I mean? In the way he purports to, and maybe that really was, although they, they insinuate. It it feels like nobody had ever really questioned him on, they were like, are you sure that was the only way it could have worked out? And I mean, it feels like. For him, he's got to be like, well, all the other ways that at least I saw wouldn't work. Right. So I feel like it, but he like had never really, it seems like he had never really thought about, was that really truly and the only And in Spider-Man, way? they touch on it. They touch, like Spider-Man No Way Home, they touch on that idea a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he still seems very self-assured about that idea in that film. And in that film, in a, in a there's tinges of him kind of being the villain that we need to find these threats and eliminate them. So again, when you think of WandaVision 
being the precursor to this movie. And when you look at Doctor Strange's appearances in films as being the precursors, in some ways it makes this film a pretty complete film as part of a whole. And mm-hmm. I would say that. I think really in order to to appreciate the character arcs, you have to have viewed and keep that media in mind. As a standalone film, it was fun. I thought it was visually stunning. I really enjoyed Elizabeth Olsen. I think that it is because the multiversal thing lowers some of the stakes and because some of the characters aren't are kind of just set part of a set piece. Mm-hmm. And really the people you think should be main characters are part of a set piece that it falls a little bit flat. But in the end it's interesting. It's it's a good bow on this story that's being been told over several movies in a television series. I think it's a it's a for the people who were like WandaVision were really mad that WandaVision was only one series or one season series. This is the this is the end of that story and go see it and you I think you'll feel like it reached its logical conclusion for the most part. Yeah, I think I I really enjoyed it. I think there are better Marvel movies. I don't think that's Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think it was my favorite. Say. But I would I would certainly intend to watch it again. I I think having the the greater context in mind during a second viewing because I only kind of put those pieces together after watching it. So it, which is to say that during the experience I didn't have those things in mind and I didn't think oh actually this story is kind of the conclusion of two larger stories and I didn't view it that way going into it which I should have. Mm-hmm. It does does serve that purpose very well. As far as anyone who had doubts about Sam Raimi directing this movie, I thought that part was great. It was very him. Yeah, there were a lot the, of fun. The two parts, obviously the Bruce Campbell part, which I wonder if like the Bruce Campbell thing, I could have taken or left, but I didn't mind it. Well, he puts Bruce in every single right. One of his I, I know he does. I'm saying so. Like, I so like I like for me, I'm wondering if there's like younger people who are like that part was really stupid, and it's like it is. Yes, it's supposed to be. It's Bruce Campbell in a Sam Raimi movie. Like that's like kind of the agreement. And yeah. I'm I'm sure there's people who saw the movie who aren't really that aware of who Sam Raimi is behind right. maybe some of the movies he's directed, but maybe don't know that much at all. And they, if you're that person, you probably have no idea who Bruce Campbell is. Yeah, Laura was like, "Am I supposed to know who that is? Like, is that a yes, is that an are. Easter egg?" And I was like, "It is an Easter egg. I'm not. I'm not." upset that you don't know who that is (laughs) has anybody located the car yet did they let him put that in there somewhere because that's what they they say that car from the evil the original evil dead is in every single one of his movies i have not i have not uh found it but i i would not be surprised if it's in there but the other part that was like uh, elizabeth olsen um in the underwater tunnel that was pretty raimi-esque and then the like souls of the damned that he turned into his wings and then when they when they came through back into the the dimension they were currently in right and they did that point of view shot with uh christine yeah like that was that was very very rainy rainy. yeah in some ways those things took me out of it because it was in a way that like when filmmaking is done for its own sake that it can it can either really work or it can take you out when you're not doing that that stylized of a take the entire movie and then suddenly it's a very stylized take but at the same time i could forgive it i mean 
you know, it didn't bother me too much. I, I'm a fan of Sam Raimi, so yeah. I was cool with it. Yeah, so. uh, no, I because there is an also there's the flip side of that with Marvel where sometimes they don't let people do enough, enough and it's like by the book we're Marvel, you follow what we're saying, so yeah. let, give them a little. Leash. We we've talked about that before that a lot of the time Marvel will find indie directors and that they feel because they're kind of a new and up and coming director they can hold the leash a little tighter. Mm. With somebody like Sam Raimi, you almost can't do that. Yeah, like and he's then, he's established enough, even if he's kind of niche he's established enough that you can't put he also doesn't need it either. right he d- he doesn't need the name recognition and because that's what's happened with edgar wright and Ant-Man. yeah he just said screw it yeah. i don't want to deal with all your rules right exactly and so in a way that is refreshing that it and it's yeah it's nice that it's not just the same formula that every other marvel movie follows i, think I like that i think it started with ragnarok and taika waititi For and they sure. kind of let him do a thing and and it was people so really successful. liked it and they're yeah, like okay yeah. maybe we should let him do a little more of their creative May, and maybe it. even james gunn with guardians of the galaxy because True. guardians of the galaxy was so far outside of of any of the other marvel movies and they well and they probably felt like they could give leash on that because guardians of the galaxy who really cares right like well and also guardians of the galaxy historically is a is a very much a sarcastic tongue-in-cheek mm-hmm. foul-mouthed comic series <laughs> and so you can get away with more when that's what's kind of the expectation Another thing that I think they'll have to manage, and I don't think they're doing a bad job of it right now, but what you talked about in Moon Knight about the escalation of villains that they kind of have to get to like God level power because yeah. we're showing these heroes. And there does seem to be a like it, arguing about which superhero is most powerful, like almost seems like a stupid argument. I mean, it probably was to begin with, but it really feels like a stupid argument now because they always just kind of find a way to find Well, now this one's stronger. Like, is Thor stronger than Wanda? Because Thor is an actual god, but she can do all that. And it's like, and they just keep escalating to like these people are stronger. And it's not a bad thing, but just something I think they really have to manage and be careful with to not overextend that at periods. In a way, I wish they had they were pushing Kang the Conqueror a little harder a little earlier because he is the clear next threat. I want to see Galactus. Yeah, I think it's hard to ever follow up on Galactus. I think you do Galactus when you when you're ready to be done making the movies, then he can be the sort of arc villain. Didn't they do Galactus as just a big fart cloud in space and <laughs> fa- the second Fantastic Four? That, that's yeah, basically. <laughs> I, I I like the big purple pink Galactus. That one. Yeah, I want yeah. That. I, I will say I think um, Kang, especially as you introduce the multiverse into this film and how dangerous it is to trans to travel between multiverses and all the problems it can cause, that is setting the stage for Kang, who that's his M.O. His M.O. is to travel multiverses and meet other versions of himself and share ideas and like team up to conquer everywhere. There is a council of Kangs. You know, in uh, the same way that there's an Illuminati who's like trying to do the right thing to keep the multiverses in check, Kang has his own council that is kind of the opposite of that. That's like, how can we make all these multiverses under our thumb? And so, in some ways, I think we will look back on this movie in particular, Loki, the series, and this movie in particular, as really setting the stage for how dangerous this guy's going to be. Especially when I, I I made this mention earlier, and I do think in some ways it's an Easter egg, but I also think it's important that they're introducing the Illuminati as this council that's aware of the multiverse. And I think when you have that juxtaposed with the Council of Kangs that is almost certain to show up later, you'll see like, oh, 
he's the bad version of this one, and they're all as intelligent as Reed Richards. They're all super smart and super powerful. Mm-hmm. And now that we're in the multiverse, too, the Watcher could show up for at, sure at some point, and that'll be interesting to see in live action. We got him in What If, right? Few questions for you. Yeah, was there when they were doing the quick run through of Bang Universe, Bang Universe, Bang Universe? Was there one that stood out to you as like, I want to see what's up with that universe? Um, I have a feeling you have one. I like the paint one. I think the paint one was fun. I want to know what that's like in a longer form. It probably isn't a movie's worth, yeah. but I, I want to know what that, for, I, abstractly I, what that's like. I do want to see more of like future utopia New York City. where like I wish all we the, had gotten a, a point of why it was so different. Like what was the, what was the, the like inflection point on why this world was so different i think the implication is that the illuminati were in charge okay that these like super intelligent beings had been given basically the authority to do this we have smart people in charge of our world Uh, (laughs) sure if that helps you sleep at night then we'll go with that my next question then was with the unlimited universe part are we gonna get the meta marvel movie where they come to the real world where marvel these superheroes are movie characters and that's what we have and we get like a last action hero type event i mean again i think if you make that movie or if you make that television show you have signed your own death warrant like that is that is <laughs> it the would indication, be fun but it would be, but it would have to be the end yeah if because that's just too meta to, to suddenly be like, actually, we recognize that whatever these 25 or 30 films that we've made, you know, this is several years, this is years uh-huh. in the future, that this like group of movies we've made is actually, surprise, it was all comics all along. <laughs> See, yeah, well, I, I also don't think you, maybe not go to like our real world, but it would be interesting to go to a universe where these heroes, like there's not superheroes. Yes. I think and have them some, show up. Because everywhere they went, there was like, there was always a Doctor Strange here. And it's like, is there a Doctor Strange in every single universe? Or is there some that they can go to where there's, I mean, obviously like maybe in the paint one, right? Not, but like one that looks like Earth and it's just like, none of this stuff has really happened here. Or maybe it's right, you're getting there before it's happened. Because yeah. presumably before... 2008 there was there, I mean there was Captain America's Super Soldier I guess but for the most part it was our history timeline like the the real world timeline right. and then bam the world was completely Well different. but but of course now with even with the Eternals they're telling you that yeah that in fact <laughs> superheroes <laughs> have been around since the very inception of humanity on earth and so yeah no your point's well taken though like it would be interesting to introduce that idea but again I think that's still that's a, a maybe a cheekier way of doing your first idea. Yeah. But also, <laughs> it's so meta. And I don't mind some of that. I don't mind some of that fourth wall stuff. And I think if it can be cleverly done or it can be eye rolling. And I think there's no way to do that movie where it's not a big one big eye roll. Especially when you're trying to put it into this giant exactly <laughs> expansive MCU. You've, a- you've asked people to take this seriously for, again... 30 films and I know we're not there yet, but I'm just using that number 15 Uh, years. Exactly. You've asked people to take it seriously. You're to the point where you can in a movie have people eye roll at their former boyfriend, superheroes going and doing something. (laughs) Like if you're to that point where you're expecting the audience to be on board with that. And then you're like, actually we're acknowledging that this has all been fake. And there's like, I don't know. I just don't think you can do it. And I don't really want it. But why? technically, yeah, it, 
the universe does exist. Sure. Because there's unlimited universes, and that's the that's the one like Constant. thing where it's like, okay, so we gotta we gotta be careful. Which yeah, certainly. We there's go a multiverse to. in which Doctor Stephen Strange never had a car accident and is still just an asshole surgeon. Yeah. Yes, that certainly exists. And if you had a multiverse where all of the characters in question are just normal folks, then I suppose that does mean that somewhere out there there's a multiverse that has in the no MCU. Supers. There's a multiverse. Where two people are sitting here talking about <laughs> the multiverse MCU movie, but we're both evil. But we're both evil, so it's not. It's still not this world. Our actual world. It's a, <laughs> they, um, they're both evil in that one. Yeah. Last little one I got for you. Yeah. Bigger coincidence, um, and this goes back to the first Doctor Strange, but bigger coincidence that Wong's name in in real world is is his last name is Wong, or that both of these guys are named Benedict. Which is not a very common name. Correct. I I think about I think about that more than I should. <laughs> <laughs> that they, we have two that there are two actors named Benedict. Which yes, Benedict is a very rare name, <laughs> and that Wong would portray Wong. And I, you know, you and I might sound like ignoramuses because Wong might be a more common name in the grand True. scheme of last names than we realize. I can't comment on how common the name Wong is, but. Certainly the Benedict thing is weird. I do think that's, I mean, it's it's technically not a coincidence because someone chose to cast them, but it's very strange. <laughs> it's, it's very strange. Very strange. There and you the go. multiverse Boom. of madness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, isn't it ironic? Do we feel like the, are you pro the Christine Palmer love story sort of wrapping up in this movie did it add anything for you did it subtract anything for you or do you just kind of like meh yeah i mean i was like oh she's back but she hasn't been around for like six years yeah i guess i'm I, what i will say is i'm glad it wasn't a bigger role like a bigger part of the story i should say and because i don't mind rachel mcadams i just i i think had we done literally any more with it it would have the moment at the end of the film where i thought they were going to kiss I was like, no, well, because it's not even it. his Christine. Like. But but it also is just like too. It's too Hollywood movie. I like. I thought that they ending on the note they ended on was great. And if it had gone any further, I would have been like, nope, I have an issue with this. Yeah, that's the uh, the odd couple who goes on an adventure. It's like the Mummy, where at the end, the, that was one thing I actually thought about Moon Knight. I kind of wish I was just watching the Mummy the whole time because <laughs> I like Brendan Fraser. Yeah. So on the whole. I think it was a fun movie and go watch it. I don't think you'll be disappointed. I think that in some places it feels a little bit lackluster, but I think that's mainly just because the multiverse thing lowers the stakes in a way that's unavoidable. And it also means that the characters have to be a little flatter to be distinguished from one another in most cases. It's PG-13, and I don't think, I mean, the horror definitely wasn't like adult level and it's not like movies really yeah. scare me all that much anymore and then one of the hard things with the marvel movie to scare you is like to like a real horror movie it has to kind of ground you and like you feel like you're in the situation and marvel's still just not in a bad way but just like a little too silly for me to like picture yeah. myself in the scenario and kind of get really into it that way but my point of that is saying that um if you are somebody who has kids and i'm not a great judge of this because i don't have kids but it's probably a 10 and up even if you let your kids see PG-13 Marvel movies, it's probably a 10 and up type movie. Yeah, that I would say there's a, p a few instances of just like, 
fantasy violence in the sense of like bodies being disintegrated in a fairly visceral way. Mm-hmm. I would say that and the death scenes with the Illuminati, like some of those are kind of graphic in the sense of like if I were I don't know if I would want to show a kid that. But yeah, you and I aren't great. Maybe judges of that. Uh, yeah, I would say err on the side of caution for that part. But otherwise, no, it's not like a big gory movie. It's no. not. There's a few jump scares. It's much more. There's that one that's super telegraphed. Like, sure, I know it's coming. But it's it's more that the the horror bit of suspense there. It does I think build suspense very well. It does build that sense of dread fairly well by setting up Wanda as being as powerful as she is, and kind of again having you root for the villain in the sense that you're curious how powerful they are going to get before they're stopped. And so I think that part is is maybe a little bit more classic horror. Go see it. It's fun. It's interesting. It'll make you think about big questions about reality. <laughs> like maybe, or or who knows, Chops, maybe you want, you or I are the evil version. Oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> As always, yeah, you can send us in anything that you'd like to hear us talk about or any comments you have about the movie. There's so much going on with Marvel. There's no like specific question we need to ask here. But you can always tweet into us at nerd underscore asoc, N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. You can also email us nerdasoch at gmail.com if you've got any comments about what you liked about the movie and if you're somebody like Daniel who likes spoilers and you've already listened to this go see the movie I highly recommend it